Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Monday, April 27th. We begin with a look at this week's City Hall agenda. We catch up with 770 CHQR reporter Aurelio Perry with what we can expect council to address. Next, we hear the gripping story of a Calgary woman who contracted COVID-19, what she's been through and her lengthy journey to recovery. It's a program that aims to get donated hygiene products to our city's most vulnerable. We learn about Soap for Hope. Then we hear details on a new initiative which puts upcycled technology in the hands of mental health professionals. How an international tech rental company is giving back to local chapters of the United Way. And finally, we talk with Canadian multi-platinum selling artist, producer and actor Tyler Shaw about his star-studded version of Lean On Me, which he created to aid in COVID-19 relief efforts. 8.12 on the morning news. City Council has a full agenda today, including labor negotiations and a notice of motion from Ward 9 Councillor Giancarlo Carra. We're joined by 770 City Hall reporter Aurelio Perry to tee up the day ahead. Good morning, Aurelio. Good morning. Let's start with a procedural recommendation that's on the docket. I guess it's a, you mentioned it's verbal uh, during COVID-19 talking about ending at the dinner break. Is that just for this week or one day, or is this moving ahead, these kind of shortened sessions, if you will? Oh, no, they've uh, done that. uh, They brought that forward a couple of meetings ago because of the situation. Um, They've been able, though, last time uh, they finished at, uh, like, close to 6 o'clock. So instead of wrapping up at 5.30, they just powered through because they were on the last item, and they... They finished by 6 p.m. Uh, it's a, to give the city clerks a chance to regroup. There are um, a few of them there. It's uh, quite the logistical procedure to get everybody on the phone lines. And also what they're doing is not members of the public aren't there because there's a lot of land use issues. So normally uh, developers and people against the proposed development, they would get up in front of council and have their say. Instead, this is all happening over the phone. So there's that logistical stuff that is happening, all the different votes and having to wait for people on the phone to uh, yay or nay, that type of thing. So it's a good idea because the building's pretty empty. I mean, you have to, you only get into the building if you have a re- you know, a prescribed reason that you're going in there. So that's about it for that. It's more procedural than anything else. And I think that'll continue until, you know, the situation ends. Aurelia, we have more items on the agenda than we have time. So tell us what, which, what's caught your eye that we should be watching for and that you'll be particularly play, paying attention to. Well, one of the things later on is that when the assessment values came out, single-family homes, their values uh, on average, if they dropped by minus 4%, uh, assessment value wouldn't affect your taxes. However, people that lived in high-rises and things like that or multifam- uh, more multi-residential, they saw an increase in value of 12%. So they would be hit hard with a tax increase. So they're wondering if they should do one of those phase tax rebate approaches, the same thing that they did for businesses. Uh, The concern there is, will that flow through to tenants who are paying rent? Will, Will the owners of the units pass that on to the tenants who basically the city is hoping that goes to so they're going to talk to that uh, about that it's a three to four million dollar thing another concern about doing it is if you do it this year if you don't do it next year or something like that there's they create this bow wave it's called so basically the rebate you get this year you got to have to pay back next year Mm. and how about labor negotiations where are we there 
that uh, you know, with this COVID nineteen, a lot of uh, a lot of the talk about the labor negotiations has gone by the wayside. It seems uh, we won't be able to learn much about that unless they come back and report because it's behind closed doors. Uh, the city was negotiating for a zero percent increase with the uh, city unions. Uh, there's also the situation that's occurring with some layoffs that have occurred, uh, recreation. We heard another 80 layoffs occurred last week. And, you know, there could be more as this thing goes by as the city's losing, you know, 10 to $15 million a week. Can you give us a, a quick little rundown on what Giancarlo Carra, his notice of motion is about today, Aurelio? It's uh, basically um, the, there's the you know the ships the, uh, the Canadian services have ships named after cities so mm-hmm. there's an HMCS Calgary and this is more to recognize the uh, 25th anniversary of the ship and have more awareness of this ship and uh, I guess uh, a program to develop uh, employment programs for retiring. Uh, Calgary sailors from that ship if they actually come to Calgary to live, that type of thing. So it's more uh, awareness issues and things like that in regards to the uh, the boat, the Royal Canadian Navy boat called uh, HMSC Calgary, which is based in Esquimalt, B.C. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Aurelio. No problem. That is 770 CHQR City Hall reporter Aurelio Perry. Calgarian Judy Gabriel was in ICU with COVID-19 and was also put on the anti-malarial drug. She is still feeling the aftershocks of COVID and side effects from the drug she was put on. Now we hear from Judy with her first-hand experience. Good morning, Judy. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Uh, You know, we (laughs) can hear a cough in your voice still, so I know it's affecting you. Uh, How did it all begin for you, and how did you discover uh, that you had uh, COVID-19? Okay, well, I've been a healthy person and uh, so when I got this uh, on the 27th, I remember coughing and this uh, feeling kind of like you have a scratchy throat, all of that kind of stuff, and into your lungs, you're just coughing. Uh, so I went to the doctor, and uh, at that time I knew about COVID, so I asked if it's COVID, do we do a test? And he's like, no, 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 I think it's just um, bronchitis. And so he gave me antibiotics, he gave me codeine syrup and uh, no spray and said go home in five days you'll feel better and we'll talk then and if you're better go back to work right I said okay did the same thing I went home and then it felt better so I went back to work and within that week uh, we had a bit of a, a meeting and I think a couple of people had traveled I'm not sure they had come back but they hadn't quarantined and so my body and my lungs and everything was still you know my immune system was compromised because I just had bronchitis and um So the week passed and I was feeling a bit kind of like I'm catching a cold and my throat was scratchy and uh, I started coughing and coughing and coughing and I was the 17th, March 17th, I went to the doctor again um, and I said, hey, I've been coughing for days, Um, could this be COVID and can you test for it because I have a bit of a fever and he's like, you know what, no, I don't think so, I think it's uh, pneumonia. I said, okay, but then he decided to do an x-ray to check on that and found out and told me to go home and gave me antibiotics again, codeine again, and this time uh, an inhaler for my lungs. And after that, um, he told me to go home. I stayed home and he said to isolate and back, come back on Friday, which is March 20th. And on March 20th, I came back with still coughing, still feeling 
getting worse, feeling like my lungs hurt, my body aches, I have a headache, I feel nauseous, my fever is high. And I said, hey, um, listen, this is not going away. I'm getting worse. And he said, okay, well, let's test for COVID that day. So he tested for COVID on Sunday that weekend. Uh, Alberta Health Services called and said, <coughs> and said, you have COVID. By Monday, I was already plummeting. And so I called 911. Um, but I was very disoriented because it affects my brain and I'm foggy, um, sweaty, high fever, um, body aching, feeling nauseous, just, and I, and my lungs were feeling like somebody was sitting on them. Judy, I mean, you're, you're well over a month into this then, Mm -hmm. and an Mm -hmm. otherwise healthy woman in Mm your forties, I'm assuming. And what do you say to people who say, this is no big deal. It's just, it's just like the flu. Clearly it's not just the flu. It is something that wreaks havoc inside your body. It goes into your lungs and destroys the lung tissue. It breaks it down. It uh, affects your heart. It affects your body. Um, And what else? They don't know, right? COVID is something, an unknown, so really no one can help you. So uh, I would take caution. Like if I had any symptom, I would definitely go to the hospital. I would definitely push to get results and tests because mine took a little too long, I think and they still don't know whether COVID is gone out of my body. They don't do second testing, which is a whole other uh, story. Judy, can anybody give you uh, in the medical field an idea of when these side effects and when you won't (laughs) be coughing anymore and when you might be feeling 100%? Is there a timeline? No, and that's the thing is day by day, they call me every day, Alberta Health Services, but I have lung issues right now that I have to focus on and my heart rate keeps going faster and slower. And now, are they telling you to stay home still? Do they know how long you're yeah. contagious for or is that um, part they, over with? They don't know. I ask a lot of questions. I'm always saying, please retest me so that you at least understand if I have it in me or not. They don't know. And they said, we apologize. Like we, this is a new thing for us too, in terms of, you know, how long, I mean, they can do what everybody's telling them for 15 days or 14 days. And for me, they just go with the symptoms. I, I sweat at night. My heart rate races way above to 145 when I'm resting and sleeping. It wakes me up. And then, uh, and then it calms down and, <clears throat> and my lungs hurt still. So I know they did an x-ray and so they saw that uh, there was a lot of breakdown, lung uh, tissue breakdown in there and there's fluid a little bit in there too. Are there's- the heart issues due to the, the anti-malaria drug, do they think? Or is this all uh, related to COVID? Well, and that's the thing, right? It's, uh, I know that the anti-malaria, the hydrochloroquine, does something to your, to your heart. Yes. It does. And during the time that you're on it at the hospital for five days and then two, three days later, I still was on it while I was at home. Um, and I remember uh, feeling my heart feel like it's, it's heavy, you know, like, um, but does it have after effects? is the question I'd asked. And he said, no, it should just be during the time that you're on it. But they don't know what COVID does. And they don't know what that uh, hydrochloroquine does, whether it it affects, how it affects you with COVID, right? Mm -hmm. So if you don't understand a virus, there's really no answer other than hoping that there is nothing else that's being damaged and your heart is okay. But I think it's also overcompensating for trying to heal my lungs. My lungs, you know, uh, last week could have collapsed is what he had said. So now I'm just doing breathing exercises and then trying to get myself moving so that I <clears throat> I can heal it. And I think to me that uh, everyone is just shooting in the dark, trying to 
figure out what works, what doesn't. Well, well here's to a complete recovery yes. sooner rather than later. We appreciate your time, uh, Judy. Thank you so much for having me on and uh, stay safe. And I hope everyone learns to quarantine and stays isolated or social distance because sure. it's important. Absolutely. That is uh, Calgary and Judy Gabriel recovering from COVID-19. <laughs> Coming up on 749, Soap for Hope is a charity that's providing donated soap and hygiene supplies to our most vulnerable populations here in Calgary. It's easy for all of us to help out with this initiative. To get the details, we're joined this morning by Michelle Edgar, who's founder of Soap for Hope. Hi, Michelle. Hi, how are you? Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. Great program. Love what you're doing. Explain a little bit more about Soap for Hope. Uh, certainly. Uh, we are a uh, nonprofit that uh, started about five years ago in Victoria. And my friend and I brought the office to Calgary and opened it up here at uh, my kitchen table, actually. And we collect from about 30 different hotels right now in our program that provide us with their discarded amenities. And we repurpose all of that and donate it back out into the community. So this is something you did uh, pre-pandemic, and uh, you've had to adapt. And, uh, how do you guys move ahead during this crisis? Uh, it's a little tough because we rely mostly on volunteers to repurpose the product and get it out there. So right now we have two teams totaling five people that are madly processing the way and trying <laughs> to keep up with the orders. <laughs> so what can we do to help out, Michelle? Uh, well, financial donations, of course, for a nonprofit, um, it can be made to CanadaHelps.org through uh, Disaster Aid Canada is our parent organization, and then you could go to COVID nineteen and donate through there. And of course, those are being matched by the United Way. Also, uh, we do need uh, your empty shampoo, conditioner, body wash, lotion bottles from home. It uh, doesn't matter the size, so that we can process the hotel product into family size bottles for a lot of the shelters and organizations that are helping the community. Okay, so you, you've got an empty uh, head and shoulders bottle at home. You get your hands on it on the, as the organization. So you're refilling with the hotel leftovers, or how does this work exactly? Yes, we are refilling it. So we sanitize it and refill it with the hotel product. So we don't mix any of the hotel product. You know, if it's, mm-hmm. it's this particular One brand type. of hotel product. That's what just, you get. That's what you get. Gotcha. Yeah. And what other and things are you doing? The, um, we collect the linens and uh, bedding, et cetera, from the hotels as well. And those are all repaired and donated out. We just gave, oh, a thousand pounds of linen to the Calgary Drop-In Center for them to set up new housing during this COVID crisis. We also collect their loss and sound and we clean that up and donate that out different places where it's needed. So it's mostly just hygiene that we're working with. Uh, We do also collect toothbrushes, toothpaste, deodorant, where we have high demand items, um, deodorant, feminine hygiene, um, cleaning products. Shelters are asking for that. So... We do as best we can to collect all of that and donate it all back out. Michelle, it sounds uh, super hands-on, and it sounds like you need a lot of people, you know, as far as this pickup and delivery. Can people volunteer if they have free time at this point? Because, uh, you know, you don't know what's happening during the pandemic with work. Can they help with driving and pickups and deliveries? 
they certainly can. They can also, if they would like to, um, take home some soap and clean soap. Clean it? How do you do that? Well, bacteria does not grow on soap. So we have the hotel soap. It's barely been used. Some of it probably hasn't even ever been used. Yeah. And you basically buff it with a cloth or scrape the surface off and it's good to go. Fantastic. It, it's brilliant. Love it. So if people are, so you can go to the Facebook page. I'm just on there right now. Soap for Hope YYC. So they can go there, get more information, message you. But if people Correct. want to go online, which was the best site for them to do that and donate or offer up their help? Uh, for, for donations right now, CanadaHelps.org okay. is the best. And that link is on our Facebook page. Okay, perfect. Um, we're also on Instagram. Our um, website is under construction. We had a few issues with that, so that is being worked on as we speak, and hopefully we'll be up and running soon. Um, or to call us at uh, 587-352-9500 or email us at soapforhope, or sorry, let me see, we just changed that, calgary at soapforhopecanada.ca. Doing some great work. Thank you for sharing uh, your story with us this morning, Michelle. Thank you so much for inviting us to be part of this. That is Michelle Edgar, uh, founder of Soap for Hope. 618 now. Ruckify is the world's largest online peer-to-peer rental marketplace. It empowers its members to embrace the sharing economy and leave unnecessary purchases behind. They're now doing their part to ensure mental health professionals have access to patients through mobile devices. We're joined this morning by co-founder and CEO of Ruckify, Steve Cody. Hi, Steve. Hi, how are you? Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us. So tell us what you're doing here. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, what we're, we're like a community outreach platform, so we're able to reach out to the community. Uh, the community is able to put items on our platform, either for free or make them available to rent, and then we can get those items to people that need it. And it just happens to be that right now, uh, through this crisis, Laptops are lifelines for many, many people. So, you know, if you look at mental health, family health, telehealth, uh, even on the education side, there's kids that need laptops. So what we're doing is we're reaching out to communities with help from people like yourself. uh, And we're asking if you have a kind of a spare laptop, if you have a computer, if you have an old cell phone, um, if you can go to Ruckify and, you know, there's a kind of a chat button there, you can just go on the live chat or you can post the item. Uh, we're hoping that you make it available for free. Uh, you can charge for it if you'd like. We insure for theft and damage, so uh, you don't have to worry about that. And we'll take care of picking it up and delivering it with uh, Ruckify Express, so you don't have to worry about that. And we're just literally here to help the community because it's, uh, it's really important for people to have a device to connect with right now. So technically, if I have an old laptop kicking around and I want to give it, you know, to Ruckify to, to make that difference, it doesn't cost a thing to the person on the other end. You guys take care of all that? Literally. Yeah, oh, yeah. Great. yeah. So for and we, we've waived all fees for anything we do right now just because, I mean, it's you have to. Uh, people need help. So, yeah, so uh, you just go to Ruckify. I've got a laptop to donate. Uh, we'll arrange to pick it up from your house. We'll ask you to sanitize it before you hand it to us. We'll sanitize it when we pick it up. We'll sanitize it again when we drop it off to the person that needs it, and we'll ask them to sanitize as well so that it's, uh, we've got four uh, points of sanitization. And again, it's go- who exactly are going to be receiving these? And it's all, it's all electronics, really, that you're asking for. Yeah, and it's a partnership with United Way. And, I mean, United Way is unbelievable. And if you start 
uh, you know, we're working with them in other cities like Ottawa. I think we've supported 38 communities uh, or 38 organizations um, with, in partnership with United Way in Austin, Texas. We're working with a group down there. We've got 14,000 devices that we need, and that's just for kids uh, so that they can continue learning from home. Um, and I know right now we're at about 1,000 devices that we need uh, in Calgary awesome. to help support people. Yeah. Steve, what if, what if I have some technology, but I'm just not sure if it's up to snuff. Maybe it's more than a couple of years old. Can I tell <laughs> if it's if it's usable still? Yeah, I mean, just yeah. I mean, if if it if you can power it up, if you've got a power a charger, you can power it up. Uh, that's a really good sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, you just get you know go to rectify.com and like I said, we have live agents there okay. uh, that you can ask that question. And you know what? If I mean. It's something, and you, there's no guarantee that'll work. Uh, we try to make sure everything, the data gets scrubbed on the way out. And, it, and it, if you do want it back, it gets scrubbed on the way back. Some people literally just donate the devices to the United Way. United Way has their own Rockify store. And then, you know, as we're recovering through the uh, crisis and afterwards, then uh, they can still continue to help people uh, that need devices. Great initiative. And again, it's ruckify.com and you can go right online. As you said, there's a, a, a chat window that pops up, Steve, and then you can put in the item that you have and all your information. You've made it so simple to donate. Wonderful initiative. Thanks for joining us with the details. Thank you for having me on and thanks for shining the light. Have uh, a good day. You too. That's Steve Cody, co-founder and CEO of Ruckify. It is 6.09 on the morning news. And if you were looking for President Donald Trump's press conference yesterday, his coronavirus task force briefing, you didn't miss it. It actually didn't happen. Uh, for more, we're joined by Reggie Cicchini, Global's Washington correspondent. Good morning, Reggie. Good morning. Well, could this be a, a, a different style of press conference that we'll see going ahead? Or is the president, he did kind of draw a line in the sand in a statement saying, you know what, maybe I won't do them anymore because of the, what was the word that he had it? Lamestream media, uh, you know, getting in the way and uh, muddling up his press conferences. What do you think is going to happen? Well, I mean, look, he, he he didn't hold a press conference over the weekend on either day, but he did hold his own one-man conference on Twitter yesterday, sending out more than 30 different tweets from uh, a range of different things linked to uh, the, the election and, and blasting uh, media hosts and right, uh, left-wing commentators uh, and, and journalists in general. So the president did kind of try to get some attention on him yesterday, but he says that he may not hold these briefings daily or he may not attend these briefings daily. And whether or not that's because of the intense criticism criticism he faced last week for the irresponsible comments that he made about treatment options or whether it's because uh, he's at a point now where he's you know being questioned more by the media and is having a harder time uh, kind of patting himself and his administration on the back uh it's 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 to be seen there is a briefing scheduled for five o'clock today we just don't know if he's going to walk out to it reggie let's talk briefly about what happened last week because as soon as we mentioned that we were going to have this discussion we got trump supporters saying you know criticizing us and saying what he said was right and it's okay and he didn't do anything wrong and these are you know treatments that people are have been using but clearly he said you know some some well let's you tell us what he said exactly well, what the president said was was reckless and was irresponsible, and it was potentially damaging to American people's lives. Yes, we know disinfectant works to kill the coronavirus. It says that right on the bottles of Clorox and Lysol, but that is on hard surfaces that are not on the human body. It is irresponsible and reckless and, and medically wrong to 
mention injecting disinfectant into the body. Now, the president says that he was saying it sarcastically to the media. He was very clearly asking this of his health directors that were on stage. Mm -hmm. Uh, And over uh, between Thursday and Friday, the Maryland uh, Emergency Department said that they received more than 100 calls from questions from people asking if this was okay. So when somebody says what the president said was okay, that's wrong. What the president did was dangerous. And I'm wondering, uh, we're looking at the numbers here, and uh, again, using the, ter- the word reported, because these numbers change quite frequently. Closing in on the 1 million cases, I think it's dancing around 986 to 987,000 cases in the USA. And the deaths, approximately 55,000 deaths. Uh, you look at the numbers, and I, I did some digging, and uh, Vietnam had American casualties at 58,000 220. Do you think when we we get close to these milestones and they're reported on in the U.S., that might have an impact on the seriousness of coronavirus? I mean, it it might. The numbers are kind of different depending on where you're looking at. And I think what's important to look at here is the modeling that was used to predict where we would be right now. The the, the federal government uses one from the University of Washington, the IMHE model. And essentially, it said that A, the U.S. has reached its peak, and B, the kind of peak of deaths would be 60,000. Well, it's very likely that the U.S. is going to exceed the 60,000 death toll on Wednesday, and that is going to continue until this virus is no longer in the picture. So I think the severity and the seriousness of this uh, of this virus is not lost on anyone unless you're looking at those kind of 13 or 15 states right now that are preparing to reopen their doors who have already done so then you get that bit of mixed messaging that says well is it as serious and if it is serious why are we potentially putting other people at harm can we draw political lines on these states that are opening are they all republican run sort of states a majority of them are Republican, yes. Montana does have some Democratic leadership inside the Senate, uh, but it also has far fewer cases. But that's also because, uh, as anyone in Alberta knows, Montana is not uh, an overly populated state. Uh, and that is one reason why some of those states are reopening. Other states, they're very hardline Republican. They, they tow the president's line uh, frequently, something like Georgia or Tennessee or Oklahoma. The president is influential in either playing kingmaker and getting people elected to the Senate or to the governor offices. And they feel that they owe it back to the president. But these are also states uh, that just simply say that their time has come. They're going to let the people go back to work and they're going to lift these stay at home orders. And health experts are saying, look, we can't move quickly on this. This virus could be here to stay. We heard Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks over the weekend say social distancing will be here at least through the summer, if not later, completely going against Vice President Mike Pence, who said coronavirus could be gone by Memorial Day weekend. We're hearing uh, from economists that the unemployment rate could be 16 percent or higher beginning this month. I'm wondering if there are more stimulus packages to be announced. What is the government saying about propping up the economy during this time? Yeah, there is going to be more money that is released. Uh, the, the Paycheck Protection Plan for businesses and small loans, another round of that is set to go out today, uh, or is set to start soon. Uh, we're also hearing from Speaker Nancy Pelosi, a fifth relief package could also be on the way to Americans to help inject some cash into the economy. It's a tale of two sides, though. We also have Republican uh, Senator Mitch McConnell, the leader of the Senate, saying to states that are in financial hardships right now because of the costs that they've uh, in, 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 uh, taken on during this virus, uh, that he would rather just see the states go into bankruptcy than have the federal government bail them out, which is obviously a fiscally irresponsible thing to do for 50 states across the country. So it's still, again, mixed messaging. But we do know that money is coming to the U.S. It's just going to be a matter of whether they're able to actually get out and spend that money in their state if the state is still closed. Reggie, has there been any specific information coming out of Las Vegas and in Nevada? I mean, we saw last week the, the mayor of Las Vegas wanting to open things up, but so far that state is still shut down. 
the state is still shut down. The governor had come out and said that the, the mayor's words were inappropriate and that the uh, people of Nevada, particularly Las Vegas, were not going to be used as any kind of test or control group to see whether or not uh, the virus you know, will spread if they open up casinos. Uh, you know, Nevada still has 3,000 or so active cases in the state. There's more than 200 deaths that have been reported. They have 4,600 cases in total. So this is not a state that's you know clear by any way. And I think that this is just kind of the pressure that some state and city leaders are feeling from the people. People that say they want to get back to work, despite health officials saying, if you go back to work too soon, we could be in this all over again down the calendar. A uh, grim situation, but when it's brought to satire, uh, you know, it, 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 it's interesting. And dreams did come true for Dr. Anthony Fauci over the weekend. Not sure if you saw the clip or caught Saturday Night Live oh. from home. Uh, he had suggested that if anybody were to play him, it would be Brad Pitt. Did you catch that clip? Did you see uh, Brad Pitt? I mean, look, I don't stay up that late anymore. I did watch it on Twitter on Sunday. Yes. And it was great. I mean, I watched Dr. Fauci when he did that CNN interview. And he okay. was asked by the host, you know, who would you want to play? And he said, Brad Pitt. You know what? I was like, ah, anybody's just going to say Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt nailed it. He looked like him, but he had the voice down perfectly. That's fantastic. Well, you know, what happens next? Do we just wait and see sort of what Donald Trump has decides whether he's going to get out and speak? Or, or will there just be another voice that comes up and takes the stage and, and gives the daily briefings? I mean, we, it's, it's, it's like we deal with Trump every single day. We watch Twitter to see what he's going to say and what he's going to do. The virus briefing is set for 5 o'clock tonight in Washington time. It's usually pushed back by an hour. If he doesn't come out, this could be led by uh, Vice President Mike Pence. It could be led by the health experts or possibly Health and Human Services uh, uh, Director, uh, Secretary uh, Alex Azar, who's also got a questionable position right now in the government. But it could be anybody's game to go to tonight. It could also simply just be canceled. It's one of those we simply just have to wait and see. Reggie, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thank you. That is Reggie Cicchini, Global's Washington correspondent. Our next guest helped gather together more than 25 Canadian musicians to cover that Bill Withers classic, Lean On Me, to raise funds for COVID-19 relief in Canada. We're joined by the brains behind this giant collaboration, Canadian multi-platinum selling artist, producer and actor, Tyler Shaw. Hi, Tyler. Hi, how are you? Awesome. That is a great song. So cool. You must have the best friends list on your phone in order to put this (laughs) song together. Honestly, yeah, everyone really was uh, very thoughtful and gracious of giving their time to, to help uh, come together for such a strong, strong initiative to help fight COVID-19. So we heard the end result. Sounds fantastic. How long Thank between you. idea and the final product did it take? Because 25 different artists and uh, you've got to get everybody arranged. Uh, give us a, a timeline, if you will. Um, it happened in three weeks, if you can believe that. Wow. Um, three weeks may seem like a lot of time, but in the music industry, that is like 24 hours, uh, or so it feels like anyway. Um, but yeah, from the idea, um, from the from wanting to release this as a, such a strong message to the world to the final product, which you which was released last night, uh, three weeks was the total. The time. I mean, Tyler, you know, anybody who's anyone in the music industry in this country is on this song and the video is fantastic, too. What does the money go to? What exactly are you raising the funds for? Absolutely. So 100 percent of all proceeds will be going towards the Canadian Red Cross to fight COVID-19. And what they're doing with the money is is giving it to uh, protective equipment, uh, people who need protective equipment, um, families in need who are who don't have food on the table or are struggling financially. So it covers a broad 
uh, an umbrella of things that that uh, are fighting against what COVID nineteen has done for for this country. This wasn't a case of getting twenty five different artists in in the same studio or even in professional studios and uh, having that editing gear right, uh, you know, on at the tip of your fingers. Tell us about that challenge technically to make it sound so good when everybody's scattered and spread out. Absolutely. Well, thankfully, in in this year twenty twenty, we have. The, the technology to be able to, you know, wherever you are in the world, collaborate uh, and get together virtually to create uh, a masterpiece. Um, so luckily, 90% of us had home studio setups, including myself. Um, so when, when we re- received the audio takes, it was uh, very seamless in just putting it in, slotting it into the, to the musical track. It turned out beautifully, and I mean, honestly, we could run through the names. Avril Lavigne, Brian Adams, Jan Arden, Getty Lee, Michael Buble, they're all on there. Who was the biggest diva, Tyler? Who was the worst to <laughs> try to put this thing together? No, there's no egos, which is, <laughs> which is actually the best thing, you know. We have uh, legends, as you mentioned, and then we also have up-and-coming artists. So so all of all of us came together together um, as human beings. You know, at the end of the day, we, we all feel the same emotions. Uh, we're all human, so we all came together uh, as Canadians to uh, for this artist initiative, which I'm very, very happy about. What do you think it is about music, Tyler? Because obviously you're passionate about it, but people are loving online content, uh, these specials with our favorite stars. What is it that that heals uh, about music? It's the way you make it makes you feel. I feel like um, you know, it's weird the way I don't really have a, a concrete answer, but in my opinion, it's the way music makes you feel uh if you're if you're sad you'll listen to songs that make you feel better or increase the sadness it depends on how you cope if you're happy you'll listen to a happy song and just it amplifies what you're feeling already and takes it to a whole nother level on mass do we just all go out and download the song today is that how we help and, and contribute financially absolutely um but the good the, the the thing is is that we understand that everybody is in a different financial state right now because of covid19 so just streaming or watching a video uh, will donate money um, towards uh, the Canadian Red Cross to fight COVID-19. Wow, incredible. Again, a tip of the hat for the work that you did on this project. Sounds fantastic, and you're making a difference. Thanks for your time this morning, Tyler. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good day. That is Tyler Shaw, Canadian multi-platinum selling artist, producer, and actor. And, of course, Lean On Me released last night.